0: 1 p.m. on the East Coast. You could tell that Dan, Nathan, and I are together here at the studios of Current. It's like we're just rocking it. It's like, what is this called, Dan? IRL? IRL. IRL. It's IRL here on Market Call 1 p.m. on the East Coast. This Market Call, Dan, brought to you by CME Group. Ooh, I was about to say something else. Where risk meets opportunity. Of course, our data provider is. Back, said, "How are you, Dan? I'm doing well. This is kind of fun. I feel like we're just kind of like in a point counterpoint situation,
1: like you know the McLaughlin
0: mean? group. Oh yeah,
1: that's what that, that was a fun show. No, it wasn't. I like that show
0: because no, the old dude he was a they were all angry. old dudes and they were all dudes and it was just a no, there bunch of hair women. Hair there were some women involved know. in that. I don't know a bunch, bunch of great, but I think he passed away, so it's no longer the McLaughlin group.
1: Yeah, but it's an interesting day in the market today for sure. Yeah, don't, no doubt about it. I mean, it's funny, you know. I actually uh, did something. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some trades. People like the trades. We get good feedback." Back about the trades we'll do a couple options trades today we're going to do a a futures trade in the crude um you know i've been kind of dogging this this nasdaq and i came back from vacation a couple weeks ago i made this proclamation that the nasdaq is the fattest pitch out there it didn't work so great last week on the uh, market call, it was Tuesday, it was a CMED. We talked about trading futures in the NASDAQ 100, and we used a fairly tight stop at that kind of 13,000 level. We got stopped out, we're still above that level. And I tried kind of moving into some other products there, some options, some ETFs, and sort of thing, none of them are working. Why, why is it, guy, that mega cap tech is just levitating here when we have, when we to hit the banks, we hit them yesterday, they don't act particularly well we got a lot to talk about them there
0: no i think mega we've talked what the reasons why i think one it's a flight to perceive safety yeah. um sort of i guess economy resilient type names which i don't believe necessarily yeah. i think rates going lower for whatever reason seems encouraging the market whatever the market means in these days but we've seen it before where that's typically the last sort of bastion of hope before everything rolls over and the broader action today, I don't think it's particularly great. And when you see names like Caterpillar rolling over, Deer rolling over, these very manufacturer-sensitive, economically sensitive names, on top of which you mentioned the banks trade And we've been talking about this now for a while. They trade awfully. And that's not particularly encouraging. Well,
1: you know, it's interesting. You know, I was looking at some of these regionals right out of the gate that are down. And, you know, if you look at this FRC, this first republic chart, which is like next in line after the SVB, I mean, this stock is down eighty some percent. It's flatlined over the last week and a half or so. And it looks like someone's just in there buying it. At this 13 and a half level, why would you buy the equity of a company where you know if a bailout comes or some sort of backstop, the equity? You, and they just proved this was that svb is going to be predominantly wiped yeah. out right like and and in that case it was all wiped out and signature bank was like why would you be buying that and so that's that's the one year if we could look at like a two week or something like that it's just flatline
0: down there i think people are trading around it. i mean the only natural at how buyers are they good at this or what i, I don't know there art group you oh, and, oh, I, you, you and unbelievable. I you and i are in the same room they're just
1: look working at their facts that's, at that's terminal jacob here. and rafe is
0: just killing it no oh, i Look, if you, if people are short the stock to the extent that there's still shorts out there, maybe that's part of it. Yeah. I guess uh, people trading around it during the day. I guess, but I've said for a while that I do think you will see a take under in the space. Now, people have pointed out, wasn't UBS and wasn't uh, Swiss UBS and Credit Swiss a yeah. take under? Yeah, I guess. I'm thinking something more here in the United States, though. Yeah, you are. All and right. by the way, Schwab doesn't trade particularly well either. No. That's pushing down well, towards 50 bucks. So it would be
1: really interesting to see when it went below 50. It had that one day, that panic day, where it gapped lower. It traded in a huge range, and then it was like a kind of spike bottom, and it came all the way back up to the high 50s. But here we are at 50. We talked about that Morgan Stanley downgrade of Schwab last week. I guess the thing that that kind of irks me a little bit here, Guy, is that we have you know the major indices are kind of holding in there a little bit. But under the hood there's a lot of really bad action and then let's just talk a little bit about this jamie diamond ceo of mm-hmm. jp morgan his manifesto here um he put this little split screen out there of you know what he sees is the here and now right now and i think it's kind of interesting He basically has a bit more of a rosy outlook than he did almost a year ago when he was calling for an economic hurricane, but then on the storm front or storm clouds ahead and you see no shortage of potential headwinds. And this is what we've been talking about. And this is one of the reasons why Guy, and we talked about it earlier in the week, I'm not dying to change my tune here because the, the data, as I look at my fact set screen and I see what's going on today in the market, it's screaming recession. The only thing is we got an S&P either side
0: of 4,000 and people feel pretty good about things. For now, they do. Yeah. But, I mean, all the names that you mentioned, all the reasons that Jamie cited, I mean, it's clear that that's where we're headed. And I'll say this. I think it's the Fed's almost want to get us into recession. I mean, that doesn't sound – uh intuitively correct but i think that's exactly what's going on here and i think you need unemployment to start to tick up the jolt suggests that maybe it's going to start working for them fewer job openings we've seen for quite some time so it's not encouraging if you're a citizen it's encouraging if you're watching the data so the market hangs in here i get it i still think a big function of it is passive investing money flowing into the market i don't think it's necessarily signif- s- signifies anything bullish Uh, but like on a day today, you see how quickly things can go down. Yeah. And so Jamie's comments about, you know, this kind
1: of bank crisis. And and I think he's echoing a lot of the things that you and I also believe, whatever we're on the other side of this, let's just say those five failures, like that Mm -hmm. was it. I don't think that's the case. You don't think that's the case. It doesn't seem like Jamie diamond thinks that's the case. But there's going to be—he used the term—repercussions on the other side of it, and we're going to be feeling the lag effects of this for a while. Part of that is kind of tighter credit conditions, that sort of thing. And I think what's really interesting—we talked about Blackstone yesterday a little bit, their exposure to commercial real estate, their exposure to a lot of alternatives, and a lot of other areas. I mean, that stock continues to act very poorly. So I guess if you're just focused on the banks that failed, and most of these banks that failed, most Americans had never really heard of for the most part. But if you also look at the underperformance of the major money centers and all so the investment banks and some of these other kind of, uh, what do they call them, Uh, shadow banking Mm -hmm. sort of institutions, they don't act well no you know what i mean and so at some point the, like the chickens got to come home to roost and one of the reasons why i'm stuck in this xlf and i keep kind of rolling down whether they put put strikes or shorting i really don't think that the q1 uh the q1 story is going to be particularly great and the outlook is not
0: going to be banks great. are the foundation of really if you think about capitalism in our society our economy everything is predicated on how banks are doing what yeah. they're doing and I've said this, but I think it's worth saying again. Rates can, can, can continue to go lower from here. That will not change what's going on with the banks. Credit conditions are going to tighten by definition. Regulation is coming to a theater near you, whether you like it or not. That's going to obviously mitigate some of the bank earnings. So they're going to be under pressure. And at a certain point, uh, banks will lead. The rest of the market will follow. And this perceived safety Again today, a a name like Microsoft, a name like Apple, I get it, but man, oh man, those stocks are not impervious to what's going on in the world. And by the way, those stocks have gotten themselves very expensive right before our very eyes. Microsoft specifically, which didn't really say all in that great stuff last quarter, yet here's a stock that's now going from two twenty three. I think we're either side of 280 right now. All right, let so. me paint
1: a little picture for you when we get Q2 guidance, okay, in the next few weeks from some of these big platform companies. Just think of a Microsoft that has the public cloud Azure, and they have all these other services that that like kind of obviously are across the whole economy, not just tech companies, right? Like who are using the productivity tools and and pay the licensing fees for Office 365. And the list goes on and on, whether it be, um, you know, um, Amazon's AWS has been decelerating fairly rapidly, Mm -hmm. right? From like over 30% growth to high teens right now. So think about all these companies that service all of these other companies that are laying people off. And then let's just say you were a customer of Silicon Valley Bank or one of these banks that just had the run and you're worried about your capital. All of a sudden, spending at a lot of corporations is going to go to a screeching halt here. So I just think of these companies that you think are safe havens right now. And this brings me back 20 years to the dot-com crisis. If you were selling, you know, whether it be telephony or whatever, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, t- whatever the hell it was, the list goes on and on, servers. I mean, and to companies that are retrenching and they may go out of business and you just had a shot across the bow, like these companies that were banking at Silicon Valley Bank, not just their deposits guy, it's also their access to credit <laughs> because that's what they were in the private credit market is a big thing. I just think that that's going to be reflected in Q2 guidance. So I don't think those places are particularly safe. JP Morgan, Marco klonovic he's got a different tune. He's the head strategist over there than Jamie Dimon, his boss. Talk to me a little bit what Marco's saying because I'm reading these headlines here, guy, and this is exactly what we've been saying for a month.
0: And this is a guy that I think it's labeled a lot of times as some sort of perma bull. He's not. I mean, when he was bullish over the years, it was right to be bullish in retrospect. But he has taken a much different tact over the last five or six months. Now, maybe his timing wasn't perfect, but I think his work speaks for itself. And he's talking about, to your point, Dan, the exact same things that we've been talking about. Any decline in yields is not a sign that the Fed is about to bring the punch bowl for tech stocks. And I think there's a perception that that's what's going on and lower yields are inherently bullish for these names. But I'll tell you what, you still got to go to banks for credit and regardless of where yields are, if bank lending standards are going to be more rigorous and more strident, they're going to have a problem. So if you think about these tech names, they're highly cyclical, highly dependent upon the consumer and the economy and obviously very capital-intensive. And all three of those things are trending the wrong way. Well, and those
1: are the very repercussions, I suspect, that Jamie Dimon is talking about, sure. right, on the other side of this crisis. Let's look at the S&P 500 chart really quickly here because we've been drawing the through lines. the minis. You see it, yep, yeah, through the minis, the SP and p 500 uh, minis. Look at that 200-day moving average guy down there at 39.50. It's kind of flatlining a little bit. You see that uptrend. There's just two points there, but it's fine. We're just above the downtrend for the first time in an awful long time. We're well above that 200-day. It seems like that was really good support a couple of weeks ago. Flight to quality after the banking crisis was averted. Um, My play is that we have a retest of that 200-day to the downside, possibly that um uptrend and who yeah. knows what happens from there talk to
0: me on that well if you look at this obviously so if that's the trend line we want to look at which it is you say well we broke through it should be bullish okay that's one you could also say maybe it's a bit of a failed breakout and i'm looking at it you know we traded effectively towards levels we saw back in february so we got up to those seemingly exhausted ourselves so if we verse now through the trend line to the downside one has to think that the 200 day moving average which is resilient around this sort of 3950 level comes into play again, by the way, the same way that we had a false breakout through the 200 day, maybe this is a false breakout on the other side, on the upside. Now I think the pennant is still in play to a certain extent and it all comes to fruition right around earnings. Like it's not coincidental that that pennant will form some sort of a point right when you start hearing from companies, specifically banks, which are going to lead off earnings season. And if you think I'm hard pressed to understand how bank earnings and the subsequent guidance can be anything but tepid to use a a favorable word I would use the word shitty because I think that's what's going to happen. No, I mean, if you're a management, if you're a
1: CEO, given all the uncertainty that we have right now, not just in our economy here, but globally and geopolitically and and, and the like, why would you give like too aggressive outlook, especially when you consider how much of their earnings come from net interest Mm -hmm. margins and just the lending? And this is large money center banks. And given the volatility and and yields, and we're going to get to that in a second here, just real quickly, the NASDAQ futures guy just wanted to hit this here because, you know, last week I Detailed a trade, way to short it using a stop. We were looking at twelve thousand seven hundred. Initial target was down there towards um twelve thousand. Okay, we wanted to stop it at thirteen thousand. We got stopped out there. It's gone a little bit above that. I really do like this trade. One of the reasons why you use tight stops though is to give yourself the ability to go back in there you just you know take a bunch Mm -hmm. of small little losses and then it starts going your direction you did a great job kind of talking about trailing stops last week when it's going in your direction but to the other side of that you want to take small losses and get back in there um and you don't want to get chopped up too much so you have to have conviction when you're doing this
0: that's what futures allow you to do right and that's why we're looking at these and as good as that nasdaq chart looked that the minis uh, looked a couple weeks ago that's as precarious as i think it is now so now we tried to deal with or at least challenge the levels we saw back in august remember that move from june into august seemingly and i'll say that seemingly we've stalled out just short of that so do we see a retest of the 200 day moving average here which we've seen before how do you trade it i think you're right when you start to feel momentum's on your side That's when you put on that position and you can add to it on the way down. And that's what futures allow you to do. And the stops, which everybody should trade with, you know, as I mentioned last week, I think, or a couple of weeks ago, you could start putting a trailing stop on the back of it. So that's why futures are so important. It gives you the flexibility, I think, and the um, wherewithal to be aggressive in this arena, which, by the way. I think is a great arena to be in tim seymour talks about it all the time it's a great trading environment right now it, it has been that um let's look at the vix really quickly so this is a measure
1: of the volatility in the p500 here and we're getting down to levels that we've talked about a lot these are the high teams mm-hmm. that has been a good time to sell stocks i just want to pull up this is something i'm trading right now it's the sds this is the pro shares ultra short s p 500 it's an inverse etf and it's 2x the performance of the um of the spx to the downside now these things and i've talked about this a little bit before i use these on a very short-term basis if i'm looking for um a move you know to happen in the next day or two there's embedded decay in these that's how they get the um inverse and the um you know the 2x sort of performance mm-hmm. so you just don't want to sit long these things by any means but right now you know i look at this chart and i pull this thing up it looks a lot like the vix chart it's up here, approaching you know near-term um, support here so that's something i'm playing for the short term here all right guy let's do a trade i just want to get your take if you didn't watch market call yesterday people or listen to us um, that surprise opec cut a million yeah. barrels a day it caused crude oil to gap higher gap um, above the downtrend that had been in place from last year's highs at the height of the fear of um, you know the russian invasion of ukraine here didn't get to its 200 day moving average yesterday it's trading within yesterday's range also too thoughts on crude here because i want to take the other side of this near term i'm going to use futures i want to use stops and i want to talk about levels but i'm just curious your take on that as far as 24 hours later the price action in crude oil
0: yeah no it's fair and i think to take the other side at this point maybe it exhausted itself yesterday i'm still bullish i will say i'm still bullish and crude i still think we have a significant move higher we had um Paul Sankey on Fast Money last mm-hmm. night, and he talked about the backdrop now setting up uh, for a very bullish crude in the next in the a few coming months. Now, he was a guy, by the way, in November, I think, when Brent was $80 that thought we could see 120 Brent by the spring. Well, it's a spring, and we're obviously not there. I think we got a little bit north of 85, but he also thinks, given what's going on, it suggests that the, the, the uh, crude should go higher. I'll say this, though. If you look at some of the underlying equities today, and I see a couple of comments, Guy Valero tanking what's happening. That's from Gary Maggio. If you listen to Paul Sankey last night, he actually said that move in crude was actually negative for some of these refiners, and he specifically mentioned Valero. He said you'd rather be in some of these levered names, and he mentioned a lot of the OIH. So Valero under pressure today. Um, It's unfortunate if you're bullish that we were not able to take out the levels we saw. Earlier this year, I think north of sort of one forty-five. I'm not ready to throw in the towel here by any stretch because we've seen moves of this magnitude before in some of the refiners. But I think you're probably your instincts are right to sort of trade it contra in terms of the commodity, but I still think longer term crude's going higher.
1: Yeah. So this is near term trade here. And again, I want to use the futures and and when crude's trading about um eighty dollars today. Um, I want to use an eighty-two stop. So I'm gonna short. Um, at eighty, I'm going to use an eighty-two stop. Why am I choosing eighty-two? It's basically right about the highs mm-hmm. of the last two trading days. And then, if you look at that downtrend, if we want to toggle back for a second of the chart that we just had there, you know, it kind of lines up with the fifty-day moving average. That was also Friday's close, where we got that gap on Monday after the OPEC surprise cut. So that check back, as Carter would call it, back to that um, support line, which is past resistance. Now support would be my initial target. So I'm like, like looking for a $5 move down to 75. Um, and at that point, I mean, you know, you have the ability to kind of continue to move your stops down, um, that sort of thing. So we're using the May contract. That's what I'm looking for here. And again, I just want to use a tight stop and, you know, a of that, if I if I get stopped out at eighty two, let's see if it continues to go to that two hundred day moving average, which is downward sloping, and then that might be another opportunity, guy. If it were to fail there, to get back in on. Yeah, the it's
0: interesting. And look, we've talked about when the when the administration is going to get back and, and try to buy back the SPR EY from SoFi yesterday. Brought up the fact that they probably are not allowed to do it, given what's going on with the debt limit and those types mm-hmm. of things. I have no idea how that works. Or somebody actually texted me yesterday or tweeted at me that said. As long as you're releasing from the SPR, you then can't buy back into it or Mm -hmm. something like that. There are all these different mandates. I have no idea. With that said, they better get on the bus pretty soon. It's interesting. Quick comment because this sort of, I think this speaks to what you're talking about. Somebody said, if you're bearish the economy, you should be bearish the IWM. So the small caps, I don't know if we can pull up a chart, but you've mentioned that. There's been a market underperformance of the small cap. Um, I look at it through the IWM. There are other ways to look at it, but, I think they're right to point that out. I mean, there's been really no meaningful bounce here. Yeah, it bounced a little bit. But if you look at it in relation to October, not a lot is going on vis-a-vis sort of the broader market in the form of the NASDAQ and the S&P. Yeah, dude. we
1: talked about it last week. I mean, this one to me, and I know there's a lot of like smaller banks in the small cap um, index, but I just think that um, the relative underperformance to the NASDAQ and also the S&P, and I think it's really important to remember, Guy, back in late 2021, this was your indicator, small cap. Yeah. You said, watch it. You thought they were going to lead to the downside because these are the most economically sensitive companies in our country that have harder time with access to credit and the like here. So to me, I think that's Um, a great um, heads up here. Um, Let's go to this. We got to talk about yields. Um, We got to talk about expectations because Carter had a note out today, and we'll probably cover it a little bit tomorrow, um, that he wants to continue to press the 10-year yield. He thinks this goes back to three. He's been on that train since it was four. He's reiterated a bunch since the fall. CME FedWatch tool here, guy. Um, We're looking at this May meeting and this June meeting, and it looks like it's a 50-50 chance that we're going to get to the upper bound of that 5% Fed Mm -hmm. funds rate, which is really kind of nuts when you think about where the 10-year is going and what that is reflective of. That's reflective of slower growth. And the Fed's, uh, at least this um, indication of where the Fed is going to move Fed funds to is reflective of the fact that they are still worried about inflation, which to me is a big burger of stagflation, which is not going to be good for stock valuations
0: now a lot of people are saying they're making a mistake you know a generational mistake in terms of what they're doing now and uh, listen the, the reality is no matter what they do it's going to be a generational mistake because they put themselves in this position if they were to cut rates in the back half of this year inflation that genie will get first of all it's already out of the bottle will just continue on its merry way if they continue to raise rates to try to fight that inflation they're going to knock the shit out of the economy which we're seeing now in the form of these ism numbers we're seeing and then to a certain extent the underperformance of the Russell. So they're screwed either way, which you know, people say, woe is them. They put themselves in this position. That's really what it comes down to. But I think you're right to point it out. By the way, somebody's asking about CrowdStrike before we get, we have a question um, if we can pull it up. And it's interesting. I think CrowdStrike, I'm looking at my fact set machine and they do the to report on or about the 1st of June. So you have some time. Um, but take a look if we can pull up a chart and if we can go back to like, 2021 there um yeah so if you see this dan i mean yeah you're you can draw that line we can't do it here but there's obviously in this downtrend since effectively october november of 2021 we've seen bounces along the way and we're in the midst of one now but you know my eye looks at that and says we're still in a downtrend um and until we break through it on the upside you're probably looking to take profits here. I don't know if you're looking at the same thing I'm looking well, at. Well, here's but-
1: here's my problem with this company. It's thirty-two and a half billion dollar market cap. There's forty-three buys. This is perfect fact mm-hmm. five holds, no sells, and the valuation is just it's out probably of about control. ten times revenue, is my sense. Yeah, and it's just it's just one of those things. It's just like guys, okay, man. Like, what did we learn from twenty twenty one and and I get it. You know, Nvidia has gone parabolic. It's a hundred dollars above its two hundred day moving average, which was just crossed over just a couple months ago and it trades at 20 times sales and all this sort of stuff i get it but you know i i listen there's always going to be some of these remnants of like a a bubble period i think crowd even down as much as it is from its all-time highs um it's still a bubble name there so you know not not something particularly interesting
0: no i i don't think so either i I look at it's probably trading at 45 (laughs) times next year's numbers understanding it probably has 24 percent or so eps growth but i think it's an expensive stock and We've seen these names being taken out to the woodshed before. So my sense is Robert is long the stock. My inclination would be to be taking profits yeah. here. I think that's yeah. the right thing to I, do. I just,
1: you know what, again, I, I think it's interesting. I think we're going to see correlations. I think sooner or later, some of this tech stuff is going to give it up a little bit. And then we're going to see. Um, just how some of these expensive names that have had crazy runs. Let's see um, if people are willing to hold on to them. Let's just um, on the rate front, guy. Um, yeah. If you look at the 10 year, you know, it, it's kind of having some difficulty with its 200 day moving average here. It feels heavy. You go back to that kind of June high of last year which was like, I think is about three and a half-ish or something like that. So this seems to be a bit of a battleground, but some of the narrative around lower rates and and lower growth is also being reflected in the U.S. dollar index, the Dixie here. And I think it's kind of interesting because it had a nice little rally in February. Mm -hmm. It was maybe a flight to quality during the banking crisis a little bit. Giving Um, it all back. Yeah, it's giving it all back. Talk to me about like just kind of the heaviness of yields, the heaviness of the dollar. um, And then uh, obviously that's, supposedly beneficial for commodities and we're going to talk about one commodity that you love
0: okay so yields going lower makes sense given everything we've been talking about for weeks and given everything that's obviously front and center today economy slowing down it's clear again when you look at the data so yields 10 year yields should go lower i've said this a hundred times and you've you've harped on it as well yields going lower or they're going lower for the wrong reasons and if you think it's somehow bullish for equities yeah maybe in the textbook it is but not in this case. So the knee-jerk, I get it. People bought the NASDAQ lower yields. It makes sense until people realize, wait a second, there's a market slowdown in what's going on. So 10-year yields, I think, will continue to go down. And if you want to play it, you know, we talk about it all the time, you're long the TLT. And it's interesting, though, whatever the market deems to be happening, I think they're going to come to the realization that, in this case, lower yields are not bullish. Carter Worth has been talking that for quite some time. The dollar rolling over is interesting because historically, a weaker dollar gives a tailwind to some of the multinationals. And that clearly makes sense. But it also gives um, sort of, I guess, wind in the sales of the commodity market as well. So part of the reason clearly gold is going higher is because of this weaker dollar or relatively weaker dollar, I should say. But the other reason is there's real buying out there. We're going to look at gold in a second, as you mentioned. But a weaker dollar theoretically should provide some tailwinds. All yeah. I think that's due is mitigating some of the headwinds they face. It's funny. We were on <clears throat> Fast Money last week. I think it was
1: Thursday. Sarah Eisen, mm-hmm. who um, is a great host, was filling in for Melissa Lee, uh, obviously a, a great host also. And you were talking about gold and and – she said, "Well, it's just the dollar guy. It's just the dollar. I mean, what, what's your thought?" Well, there? I mean, is it's it part sim- of it. Is it I mean, simple? no, it's not
0: that simple. Oh. I mean, if it were that simple, I was, I was well, you know it. I mean, you said it to be. I, I know you were trying to, tw- to get me get under my skin, oh, but if you look that. the Chinese, look in, that. is that cool? Again, it is look cool. In in February, um, yeah. they announced more gold. Per, I mean, every central bank around the world right now has been buying gold, and what I've said for a <laughs> while, and I believe this. People are bullish gold. People aren't long gold. Now you say, wait a second, what about the central banks? Yeah, that's not going anywhere. They're not going to be gold sales on the back of that. And when the hedge funds start to kick in, and by the way, we're probably getting close to some of the levels where the hedge funds are going to start to buy. That's when this thing, I don't want to say parabolic because that's but hyperbolic, but that's when this thing gets going because they'll all come in at the same time. And the gold market is not big enough to withstand that kind of demand. So, You're going to see days where gold's up $50 to $100. And by the way, you're starting to see it around the edges now. Yeah,
1: well, I guess, you know, you've been saying buy the dips, and there have been dips by. It's been very tradable.
0: I don't know if we have a gold chart. I mean, we might as well pull it up. It trades on the CME, as you know. Yeah, I think
1: we do have a gold chart. Look at that. Look at that thing. I mean, these guys. And, you know, it never even got down to that 200-day moving average, which we thought would be a good place Mm -hmm. to back and fill here. So again, I mean, like when I'm trading this and I'm trading the futures in this, you want to look at some of those levels, right? Where they can, uh, you know, retest that high from a year ago. Right. And then maybe it checks back a little bit and then maybe you get it back towards, you know, the high from February. um, And then maybe that's where you start adding. If you're looking at that, Um, let's look at Bitcoin here too, guy, because Mm -hmm. this is the old digital gold, this off the the futures trade on um, CME and, you know, look at how perfect that gap is from last June um and and you saw the move it went from like 29,000 down to about 20,000 or so. The 200-day moving average is just below 21,000. We're making a nice little flag here on this thing. I don't know man, I I kind of feel like, you know, if the dollar firms up a little bit and um I I just I I don't see it for Bitcoin, but um, you know, I know that's kind of a controversial sort of statement and I just I I just think that, you know, there's other ways to reflect, you know, kind of QE and all that sort of stuff if if you want to do that.
0: Yeah, it's it's not coincidental, by the way, that Bitcoin has bounced the way it has when more and more people started talking about how this Fed's going to have to mm-hmm. sort of take their foot off the gas. It makes sense. Um, I don't know really what the bull case is here. I guess the bull case is a technical one. We close above 30000 and then maybe we're off to the races. Mm-hmm. But you know, this mean reverts historically, and my sense is it will do it again. I think you're going to have a better entry point. If I'm trading it, though, I think here you're sitting. You're waiting for a close above thirty thousand. Maybe you get long on a breakout. Otherwise, you're waiting for a pullback. I think. I don't know if it gets down to that twenty-one thousand level, but maybe twenty-five thousand, and that's a more interesting entry point. Yeah.
1: No. Well, I, I guess. I mean, I just I can't even think of it like a good reason, especially when people have like million-dollar price targets out there for well, ninety days out. Yeah. It just seems like kind of goofy here. All right. Before we get out of here, let's hit a couple single names and and this. I think these two names are really important from a sentiment standpoint. Obviously, we like talking about Tesla for a whole host of reasons, but I think this one's kind of interesting. It didn't get to its 200-day moving average. We talked about Tesla yesterday, those deliveries that they had in Q1 and and the production numbers it fell short of, um, you know, expectations both by consensus on the street and also the company's um, guidance. And if you look at this thing, that $200 level, you see the red line there. It's just below that 200-day moving average. So lots of things going on with 200 there. You see that. Um, uptrend. It seems kind of steep. It's actually lining up with the 50-day moving average, so it's testing there. If we get below 190 today, and I think it's trading around 191.5 mm-hmm. one or so. You know, that's why these lines are important. We talk about stops in the futures market. There's a lot of people are looking at a lot of the same levels on charts. They actually use the charts to help inform option strikes, that sort of thing. So, you know, there's obviously inverse ETFs in this thing. There's a lot of things going on. So, I think the technical levels are really important. So, let's see how that thing. Um, holds at that number any thoughts there because yesterday you thought okay i see a back and fill to 165 that was the low last month
0: and i think look the (laughs) fact that we just rallied off that 165 but failed to get to the levels we saw in february which i think we topped out around 218 i think if you're bullish you have to at least have some sort of pause here and if we were to break this very short-term uptrend that we've been in since the beginning of the year I think you have to say to yourself, okay, that 165 levels in play, then you have to have a much different conversation. You know, by the way, although people have gotten themselves all excited about Tesla, which I totally understand, now you're still talking about a stock at these levels. It's 50%, actually more than 50% off its all-time high. So the fact that we've rallied 100% off the lows is interesting, but in the broad scheme of things, we have seen bounces of this magnitude before. So you can make an argument that we are just in a continuation of a pretty significant downtrend that's been in place for quite some time. Matter
1: of fact, right? The last one, you highlighted
0: this, and I thought it was
1: interesting. I didn't even see any headlines about it. I didn't see any news, but this is Caterpillar, Mm -hmm. Cat Tractor – and again, you know, we talked about some of the resource. Well, I don't know if we did talk about it right now, but some of these resource names are getting absolutely killed today. Energy stocks are giving a bunch of yesterday's gains back. And then when you look at, you know, the transports and you look at some um, industrials like CAT and the way it acts today, Larry McDonald um, of the Bear Traps Report had to tweet out earlier just saying that you know some of the weakness in some of these names is kind of flashing recession fears right. and we've been talking about that so give, give it to me on cat you thought there was a there was a big double uh a few weeks ago huh guy and in the, in the cat and well
0: the deer? it's interesting if you look at this stock i mean we held we traded down we held the yeah. moving average so it looked as though we f- you know we didn't necessarily fill that gap but it felt like it was going to party and it did for about a week and a half and now here we are again But if we were to break the 200-day moving average now, one has to think we're going to fill that gap, which probably comes in just around 200 bucks or so. If you look, you can see from October into November. That, to me, is interesting. But to your earlier point, I mean, this is a very economically sensitive name, and it's obviously doing something today for a reason. My sense, it's on the back of the ISM. I didn't see any other news. But if CAT starts to roll over, DEER. Names like URI, some yeah. of these other names, that's got to be concerning. I well, think. as as Amanda
1: Diaz named this episode, the ISM mm-hmm. hangover, mm-hmm. Um, You know, there was no shortage of takes, how there's no way um, to kind of sugarcoat these five consecutive prints below 50 for the ISM and what that means. Um, I think we had uh, Jim Bianco, some of his research yesterday at market call. He's going to be on Fast Money today with us um, at five for a brief comment. Uh, just last thing before we get out of here, because I just don't think we can put too fine a point on this. Keep an eye on Schwab, that fifty-dollar mm-hmm. level. The KRE, uh, the the KBW's, you know, regional bank index is is also just kind of melting here. And look at some of those names, you know, Blackstone, which we spent some time on yesterday. I think it was down five percent at one o'clock when we were doing market calls. Down another four percent today, guy. Um, Eighty-dollar level, I think, kind of important. We highlighted the fact that the pre-pandemic high um, was sixty-five. Look at all these life insurers, like what the hell is going on well, with that's, lnc we've, yeah and we've, we've talked about, about, about that for a
0: while I'll probably have to do another show on that but we mentioned life insurers on our show yeah and we've done it on fast money as well i mean they obviously are not impervious to what's going on with rates and stuff and some of this banking so we'll see none of this is particularly encouraging it's old news that's out there and it's not just us saying it when you hear someone like jamie diamond talking about this i think for me at least it reinforces that we're not that far off the track here dan
1: i agree sorry guys we can't be a little bit more optimistic the thing that we've been kind of optimistic about is just the look and feel of the nasdaq and it broke out but that being said it's not something from a fundamental standpoint i think you and i want to get behind right now Mm and i think we're gonna have a lot more clarity Um, over the next few weeks. But everything under the hood, man, just does not look particularly good for stocks. You think about where the stock market is right now, off of the lows and up on the year. I feel like, you know what? A post earnings malaise in the stock market. Put a little fear. Let's get that VIX up to 24 or something like that. Let's see some stability in the dollar, some stability in rates, maybe some plateauing of some of these decelerating economic data. Price it in. If you don't price in the worst case outcomes, not even the worst case, you know, like kind of the, the base bear case sort of outcomes, then the valuations are just not something that you want to kind of stick to. Yeah, right I agree.
0: Here. Listen, we got to hop here. Um, we're yeah. back tomorrow. Yeah, I think Carter, Carter Braxton, Carter CBW. will be joining us. I'm sure he's got some. Give wonderful... us some
1: feedback on this whole new look and feel that we got going on here. Me people. or the people? No, no, not no the people. Yeah, we're just well, we're trying
0: we're trying some new things here. We, we're we're getting our studio in shape. You know what I mean? We're... Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Smash the shit out of the like button. Make comments on whether you like this or not. I mean, we have this studio, so we might as well use it. I want to thank CME Group where risk meets opportunity. Obviously, our data provider is fact set. Is. Back tomorrow with Carter Braxtonworth. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be on to Fast Money later tonight. Five o'clock Eastern five o'clock Eastern. See you, set your watches. Thanks a lot.